0: Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, build your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Man, God is good. You know, the cool thing is, God's not done. You know, you might walk out of here today and that anxiety might hit you again the moment you leave. It might be in the car or when your children start acting up and they're driving you absolutely crazy. I'm not to say that that's ever happened to me, but they drive their mom crazy quite a bit, and it's not a very long drive. And so uh, what did I just say? Um, No, but what I was going to say is we can just take and just do that very thing. We can stop right in the middle of whatever we're doing, say, God, this is not from you. This anxiety, this depression, this anger, this is not from you. And Lord, I give it back to you. We carry a lot of things that we weren't designed to carry. And God's saying, cast them on me. What did Jesus say? He said, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We give it to God. So when those, when those thoughts come back, that's just kind of spiritual warfare one on one. Okay, something's causing anxiety, something's causing depression, something. Let's just identify it, give it to the Lord. No sense in carrying something that you weren't designed to carry. With that said, we are in week two of a series week three of a series called What Does That Really Mean? And the point of the series is to answer questions where in church we hear things our whole life and, and we might not know. We talked about justification, sanctification, and repentance. Last week we talked about being led by the Holy Spirit and and following Him and and who the Holy Spirit was, Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, and Spirit-empowered. That's what we talked about last week. And last week, it was a lot. Like, Don't get me wrong. You talk about justification, sanctification, and repentance all in one week. That's a lot. And then you talk about Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, and Spirit-empowered. That's a lot. It's like taking a multivitamin. My wife the other day, she told me, why do you even take those? Like She she takes like 10 pills and I take like maybe two or three. And she's like, you know, multivitamins are, they don't fully digest, right? So, and that's kind of like what we did last week. It was like taking a multivitamin. It was all the ingredients of a multivitamin are really good for you, but I don't know if it fully digested. And so today we're going to talk about we're going to dig in deeper to being spirit-led. Um, this is not my message that I had planned for this week. I wanted to talk to you about waiting on the Lord. That's a phrase. How many of you guys have ever heard the phrase, wait on the Lord? Yeah. What does that mean? Like, we could all, like, talk about what it means, but biblically, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? And that's where I was going to talk to kind of unchristianese that topic and as I was praying Thursday I felt like the Lord said you need to expand on what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit and I and I said okay absolutely father but I do have a message already written he's like yeah so I want you to talk about what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit so uh, this is me being led by the Holy Spirit <laughs> Talking about that, but before we really dive in, and so we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, 26 through 40. And if that sounds familiar, that was the same exact scripture we were in last week, and we're going to talk about the same exact story that we talked about last week, but we're going to expand on being spirit led. With that said, I'm going to tell you a joke. You didn't have to sigh, gosh, like really a joke is this new? It is. So there's um, a political convention, and I'm not going to put any party. This party can be whatever you need it to be, okay? It was a political convention. Gosh, I can't even speak. And this little boy saw these thousands of people going to this convention, and he had a bunch of puppies. And for the sake of the joke, I'm going to call them golden retrievers because I have one. And he had a bunch of puppy golden retrievers and he was trying to sell them to these people walking out the political convention. And there is a reporter there. And he kept going, he kept going, political puppies for sale, political puppies for sale. And, um, no one bought any. And so two weeks later, there was a Christian convention at the same convention center And the same reporters were there covering it and everything like that. And as people were leaving, he was saying, Christian puppies for sale. Christian puppies for sale. And the reporter walked up to this kid and he was like, what? Two weeks ago, I saw you here with these puppies and you were saying they were political puppies. And so now what happened to make them Christian puppies? He said, well, two weeks ago, their eyes were closed. Now their eyes are open. Like I said, that could be whatever party you need that to be. Um, but we're going to jump right in to Acts eight. So what's happening here, not to, to recap, just a little, there is revival happening in Samaria. Samaria is the area between Galilee in Israel in the north and Jerusalem in Judah in the south. And Samaria was this area of like half Jews, half Gentiles. And Galilee was where Jesus did most of his ministry. He did some in Jerusalem. But when the Jews would travel, they hated the Samaritans so much they would go through this town. They would cross the Jordan, go through this area called the Decapolis. It was a series of 10 Gentile cities. And then they would go down cross back over the Jordan River, and go back into Jerusalem because they hated the Samaritans so much in the time of Christ. And it's because they didn't always, weren't like this to the Samaritans, but there was a time between Malachi, the last chapter, the last book of the Old Testament, and Matthew that the Samaritans were supposed to help the Jews fight a battle, and they didn't. They kind of backed out, and because of that, they just started hating one another and it got into their blood. Hundreds of years went by and just the Jews hated the Samaritans, thought they were worse than Gentiles because they were half Jew, half Samaritan. And, um, but Jesus kind of broke that mold. Here he is, the first person he told that he was the Messiah directly was a Samaritan woman in John chapter four. And he went out of his way to minister. In fact, what's so cool about John's story with the Samaritans is Jesus, it was the town of Sychar, and Jesus took, and revival started breaking out then with Jesus, and everyone in the town started to believe in Jesus, and he didn't do one miracle. The Jews were needing miracle after miracle to believe, but the Samaritans, they just believed on testimony. This woman got saved, and her testimony led to other people believing, and then they started believing because they just sat under the teachings of Jesus. And then we step in. This is years later. This is after Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came and empowered the church to fulfill the Great Commission. And Philip the Apostle goes north to Samaria. And we jump right in to verse 26. He's pastoring this giant move of God. People are getting healed. Demons are being cast out. People are filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is what happens as Philip is pastoring. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kadeik, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So this eunuch evidently was at least a uh, an Israelite in religion. We, he was Ethiopian in ethnicity, but he was a Jew in religion. So he started out. Okay, so, and he was now returning, um, seated in his carriage. He was reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. So hold on, right there. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, You ever wonder what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like? It says the Holy Spirit said to Philip, may I suggest to you from personal experience, it's not really a voice. It's more like a passing thought. Philip was sitting under a tree and this thought went through his head. Go over and walk beside that carriage. Like, where did that come from? And if you don't pay attention, you'll miss it. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't yell at you. The enemy yells at you. He condemns you. The Holy Spirit's gentle. He's, hey, go walk beside that carriage. It's just, whoo, whoo. And did you know that word go... The shortest sentence in the English language, the U is implied, it's an imperative, it's a command, and God uses go over 2,000 times in the Bible. He is all about the go. And when we, the church, operate in following the go of God, miracles happen. Moves of God happen when we get about the go. Did you know go is the first word in both commands? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel everywhere to everyone in Mark 16. Go and make disciples everywhere of everyone in Matthew 28. Go. Go over and walk beside the carriage. Let's keep going. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. You notice what he did. Philip ran over. He ran. He heard the go of God, and he ran. There was an urgency when he heard the command. He understood when God gives a go, there's a purpose We've almost lost our urgency, and I think it sets in at a really young age, because my daughter, we could be running late, and I'm like, "Sky, put your shoes on, let's go. Put your shoes on, let's go. And she'll be like, okay, and she'll say okay, and then she'll start, and then all of a sudden I'll look up, and she's over there brushing the dog. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, well, I needed to do, I needed to finish this. I'm like, well, you started it after I told you. I mean, That's kind of how we respond sometimes. We get sidetracked and we but Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, Do you understand what you are reading? Let's keep going. The man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Let's keep going. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth. So obviously this eunuch was reading about Jesus. So let's keep going. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was, this prof- uh, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And, and like I said last week, you can't ask for the ball to be placed more scare- squarely on the tee. Philip was just like, all right, he thought it was slow-pitched softball, but now it was like the Holy Spirit put that ball on the tee when that guy asked, was this about the prophet or someone else? When when the Lord tells you to do something, he's done his homework on the other end. Let's keep going. So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And then it gets really crazy. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, and he went on his way rejoicing. That's kind of crazy. So we we step into this moment where Philip is pastoring a church, and it is growing like no one's business miracles are happening people are being delivered from demons and affliction and sickness and God is doing something and it's real easy when God does something to get comfortable in the doing but God had other plans so he gave a command he he's in, in Philip's case he sent an angel but often for us it's the Holy Spirit God still uses angels but he tells Philip to go south to the desert road. So I, I want to I just take and look at what it means to be, what, what, what the Holy Spirit's leading looks like, what it means to be led, and then our responsibility in obedience and following. So there are a few areas we need to cover con- concerning Holy Spirit's leadership. The first is, Holy Spirit has a plan and purpose to his instruction to his instruction the holy spirit has a purpose and a plan to his instruction so before we even step in obedience we need to reckon this into our mind we need to reconcile this thought into our hearts that if god is telling us to do something he has a purpose And a plan behind it. If Holy Spirit is leading you to do, to say, to go somewhere, He doesn't do it nonchalantly. He's not gonna just throw you to the wolves. He's not gonna be like, oh, He did it. I don't know what to do next. Like, oh, uh, I'm gonna have to think of something. That's not Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says, go pray with that person, go buy that person's groceries, When the Holy Spirit says, hey, give that person an encouraging text message or call them or stop what you're doing and just pray, whatever the instruction might look like for you in that moment, maybe it's, hey, you need to call that person and ask for forgiveness or you need to forgive that person who harmed you. Whatever it is, there is a purpose and a plan and you're not going to catch God off guard. If you think, well, what am I going to do after that? You don't have to know. Some of us we want God to tell us the end from the beginning. So God, before I step out in faith here, what's your game plan about this? So if I do this, where is this going to lead? We, we want to know that. And I, I get it because I want to know that too. Like, God, where, where, if, if we step right here, where, where is that going to go? I want to know the next step. God's like, I'm not going to tell you the next step until you take the current step. You notice with Philip, he didn't tell him about the Ethiopian eunuch. What did he tell him to do? Go south to the desert road. There are times where we're like, God tells us to do something, and we're like, what's the point? (laughs) I I can't be the only one. Like, it seems absolutely ridiculous. Why would you want me to just text that person randomly? Like just to say, have a good day. What's the point? God's like, that's not for you to know. Philip could have easily said, go down to the desert road. What's the point? God, you see, I'm pastoring this beautiful church and God, you're doing it. But Philip understood that number one, it's God's church. It's a move of God. It's not a move of Philip. And, and so like all Philip had to understand is like, hey, I'm supposed to be obedient. The Holy Spirit led me here, and the Holy Spirit can lead me away. And, and, and Philip didn't get the next. He just knew a location. Go down to the desert. He didn't, he didn't even get a... Uh, get this. Philip didn't even get a location on the road. You know, that's several miles from Jerusalem to Gaza. Several miles. And God just told him to go somewhere along the road. Just along the road. He didn't say, okay, go to that palm tree at that intersection. No, he just said, go down to the desert road. And what's more interesting about this is Philip never made it. Philip never made it to the very place God told him to go. Along the way, he bumped into an Ethiopian eunuch. May I submit to you, sometimes God will tell us to do one thing to get us into a position to do another. If God would have told Philip, the treasure of Ethiopia is going to be at this place and he's a high-ranking official in the government of Ethiopia, I want you to go talk to him and lead him to the Lord. How daunting do you think a fisherman from Galilee would have thought that was? But what did the Lord tell him to do? The Lord told him to do something he could do very well because he did it for three and a half years with Jesus. Told him to walk south. And he did that a lot with Jesus. Jesus walked everywhere he went. We get in a hurry sometimes, but Jesus did ministry at three and a half miles an hour. And here we have Philip. He got up and walked. And along the way, God told him to go somewhere to position him. So he could actually do what the Lord wanted him to do. And he was resting under a tree. And then, whew, go, go, go walk beside that carriage. Didn't even tell him. Didn't he even tell him to talk to the guy. Just walk beside the carriage. God always, when we listen to his instruction, it, like he gives us baby steps. We want, we want the next, we want the next, we want the next. But what if we just started walking? When he said, hey, Text that person that, 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 that scripture. Well, what if you just start with going to the Bible app and copying and pasting and putting in a text message? Just start. And then hit send. And see what God does with it. Because God has a purpose and a plan behind his instruction. Holy Spirit positioned Philip perfectly to meet the guy that would bring Christianity to Ethiopia. Did you know? I just gave the answer away, but let's pretend I didn't say that. Pop quiz: Was Christianity in Europe or Africa first? Hint: Ethiopia is in Africa. It was in Africa. And guess what country was the first to receive Christianity in Africa? I'll give you a hint. The Eunuch is from there. <laughs> Ethiopia. So here we have and I'm, we have Philip walking alongside the carriage of the treasurer of Ethiopia who had great He was under the queen. And God had a plan. He wanted to get Christianity into a whole continent. And all it took was this man hearing the voice of God getting up and going. Not holding on to what wasn't his. Oh God, this is mine. I did this. No, you didn't. You just listened to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit did it. He might have used you, but it's not yours. We, we sometimes take possession of things that aren't ours to begin with. The church in the Samaria was God's and he'll take care of it. And so Philip, he left when he started for God to do something else. And talk about God leaving the 99 to find the one, that one man brought the message of Jesus to the first Christian nation in all of Africa. How mind-blowing is that? Because God has a plan behind his instruction. He has a purpose and a plan. So when when we listen to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, God is working 10 steps, 100 steps ahead of you. God wanted revival to hit Ethiopia. And did you know Ethiopia is still a Christian nation? Man, there's... They, there's a lot of Muslims there, and there's still there's there's a lot of people getting killed in Ethiopia right now because of their faith in Jesus. But it still has Christianity there because God has a plan behind His leadership. And so this, the second thought I want to leave, leave you with, in, in following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's leadership leads to life and produces life. It leads to life and it produces life. I want to read uh, Romans 8, 6, and 7. And so this is what this, this is uh, Romans 8 and Galatians 5. There's very similarities in, in Romans and Galatians. In fact, I actually had a whole class in seminary called seminary, not cemetery. Um. yes yeah. seminary is a lot of, of places where people go to die and they're calling um, but stop it um, Romans and Galatians had a class together because they're so similar because they deal with a lot of the same thing and and in this Paul's writing Romans chapter 8 and we're going to jump back into Galatians chapter 5 here in a second but he's talking about the leadership of the Holy Spirit and what it produces in the leadership of your flesh. And so when we listen to the flesh, it leads to death. The wages of sin is death. The only overflow that your flesh is going to give you is death. It's going to bring condemnation. It's going to bring depression. It's going to bring anxiety. It's going to bring all these things. But this is what Romans 8, 6, and 7 says. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. And it never did obey God's law and it never will. So when we walk, and, and then in Galatians chapter 5, we're not going to throw that up there. But in Galatians chapter 5, right before he talks about the acts of the flesh, he says, he says this. When you walk and step with the spirit, you do not gratify the desires of the flesh. So when you walk with the Holy Spirit, when you follow him, it produces life in you. And then he ends Roman, or Galatians chapter 5 with the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, and the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So So the Holy Spirit, when you walk with him, he produces life and out of that life flows love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All ten of them. That was a joke. No one got it. It's fine. It's fine. So when we walk in the Holy Spirit's leadership, he produces in us life. This is so crucial because we as the church have got to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit now more than ever. We need to know where the Holy Spirit's going, what he's doing, how he's doing it. Because right now, man, the enemy is trying so hard to infiltrate the church in the United States, and he's doing a pretty good job on denominations that don't hold the word of God high. And so, what we got to do is follow the Holy Spirit, get into the Word of God. And that way, and another thing he produces life, but another thing following the Holy Spirit will do, um, Paul hits on this in Romans, is he gives us discernment to discern what is demonic and what is not demonic. When you follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you can recognize, no, that's a demonic teaching and that's not a demonic teaching. Oh, I don't need that in my life. Man, there are so many things that people do and they don't even realize. That, that is demonic. They're, they're allowing things into their life. And, and the spirit behind them is so bad. I'm not saying there's a demon under every rock. You're like, oh, this is that guy, huh? He's crazy. I'm not saying that. But I do believe that we need to have discernment and follow his leadership. Because the enemy is wearing his head now more than ever in our nation. And he's not even hiding it. He's not even hiding it. You don't even need to. Oh, I, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say... People that don't have the Holy Spirit can discern that it's evil and wrong. And yet we have Christians and whole denominations that are affirming things. Where's the Holy Spirit? It's because we quit listening. I heard a question. My my wife was on a panel a couple weeks ago at at district council and and they asked a really good question and I've never, like, I I was so happy that she was up there, but I thought about the answer to this question. They said, what do you think is the number one threat to the church today? And there was a lot of good answers. But in my mind, and if I were to answer that, the number one threat I think to the church today is deconstruction and denying the authority of Scripture. Because when you start deconstructing your faith and you start denying the authority of Scripture, you are... essentially telling the Holy Spirit, I don't want you anymore. The authority of scripture is our foundation for everything we believe. It, what it says is true. God's word is true from in the beginning to the amen. It has authority, and if you disagree with it, you're wrong. I know that's hard, but the reality is the Bible says in John chapter 1, it says, um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Your Bible, Genesis through Revelation, is Jesus in book form, and that has to have authority in your life. And you want to know where the Holy Spirit's leading? He will never contradict that book. He will never, he will never lead you to do something that is contrary to the words of that scripture. And so we have got to have discernment. we got to be people of the word. And, and, and when we are people of the word, it leads us to life. It leads us to hope. Man, like the word of God cleanses our soul when we just listen to it. We just get in it, man. It's amazing what the word of God will do just by studying it. The Holy Spirit is, the he's the author of, of the Bible. And get this, the Bible is the only book that the author meets with you every time you sit down to read it. Jesus said to his disciples at the Last Supper, he said, the Holy Spirit will lead you to all truth. So as you crack open the scripture and you read the word of God, he leads you to the truth and then he illuminates scripture and he applies it to your life so you can walk in confidence. And you can discern what is from God and what's not from God. You can discern what produces life in you and what will lead to death. The thing is, the Holy Spirit's not forceful, though. It's like, have you guys ever tuned a radio? When you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you have to tune yourself to hear him. And a great tuning fork for the the Holy Spirit, how you tune that dial in is the word of God in prayer. But this is what the enemy does. The enemy interjects himself. Have you guys ever got a radio station that has two things playing at the same time? Yeah you got to tune it a little more to get it or move the antenna to try to block out the, the well the the enemy the enemy is like that other radio station that doesn't want you to hear it so he gets in there and he starts playing his music and he interjects himself and what you got to do at that moment is you got to move that antenna and you got to tune yourself so when the enemy starts interjecting like man you're such a failure Oh, God's so mad at you. Oh, you better, you know, whatever, like condemnation, you got to tune yourself back. You get into the word and say, okay, what does God say about me? I'm the son of God. I'm more than a conqueror. I am loved by God. You tune yourself in through the word and then you push out that the enemy. You move that antenna back to where it gets good signal. Some of us are okay with having the flesh pour into us and the spirit pour into us, but let me tell you, you can't hear either. Very good. And, and that the, the flesh is going to scream so much louder than the Spirit speaks. And here pretty soon, by letting both play in your life, you're going to be saying, I, I don't know. Like, I used to think this is really bad, but now I, I, I'm okay with it. And you start compromising clear things that are in Scripture. Clear things that are in Scripture. I'm not talking about the gray areas. I'm talking about clear things. So we got to get into scripture. So with that said, how do we as the, as the church respond to his leadership? How should we respond? So I, I have two, two more thoughts and we're going we're gonna to wrap up and you guys can hit ponchos or wherever you want to go. And you're going to be good. You're going to be good. Unless the Holy Spirit does something and then we're just not leaving. We're not locking the doors, but you won't want to miss it. We must predecide to obey quickly. Like right now, when you're when you are walking with God and your relationship with God is firm and strong, and everything is going good. When you're in church and you're surrounded by Christians lifting up the name of Jesus. And your hands are raised and you feel like a million bucks walking on cloud nine in the presence of God. That's when you decide, no matter what happens when I walk out of these doors, I'm going to decide to obey Jesus quickly. Because let me tell you if, you, if you linger on a go, if you, on a go of God, if you linger on that gentle whisper. Go do this, or go pray for that person, or whatever his instruction is. If you linger on it, you won't do it. Your flesh will start trying to butt into that signal, and he'll say, "Oh no, I don't think that was the Holy Spirit. Oh, I, I don't think you should do that. Oh, I, I, you know, he he will try to. You will t- you will reason yourself out of obedience to the Holy Spirit. Your flesh will use human reason and logic to walk." To, to, to get you to walk out of a faith moment. You remember the flesh does not crave what the spirit craves, and they're at conflict. That's what Romans says they hate one another. So your flesh will try to reason you out of obedience, but the spirit will always lead you to take steps of faith. He'll, he'll always lead you take that step of faith I don't know what's going like God I don't know how it's going to work out take that step of faith and but your flesh wants to know what's going to happen and he'll say well what if that wasn't God what if so we got to do what Philip did what did Philip do go south to the desert road he got up and went he didn't even give himself time to say goodbye he he didn't even give himself he, he, he didn't even give himself reason to talk himself out of it he didn't it, it, he was under the tree and he said, go walk beside that carriage. He, he just got up and ran. He was running before he could even think about it. We got we to pre-decide to obey God quickly because you will talk yourself out of obedience every time. You will do it every single time. Because the flesh wants what's opposite of the spirit. The spirit wants you to walk by faith, not by sight. The, the flesh wants you to walk by sight, not by faith. It wants to know what's next. It wants to know how it's gonna work out. It wants to know, or, 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 or what if they don't like it? What if, what if this is not from God? What, what if, what if, what if? Well, here's a cool thing about what if it works both ways. What if you take the step of faith? What if God uses you mightily to heal that person of cancer? What if what if you what if you send a person a text and they don't kill themselves? What if what if it's a God instruction? What if works both ways? So we must predecide to obey quickly. Philip obeyed God quickly. Boom went. I love that. I love the urgency and the obedience. And here's the cool thing about the Holy Spirit. He'll work with you where you're at. Don't, don't try to be someone else in your walk with God. If we're here today just say, God, use me, and he's going to use you in the capacity that he can grow you. He's not going to use you like he uses me and he's not going to use me like he uses you or the person next to you. It might take more faith for me to do what God's asking you to do or vice versa. But in the end, it still takes faith when the Holy Spirit does it. So predecide now to follow Jesus, to obey him quickly. The second thing I want to hit, hit with is we must predecide to obey boldly. Listen, sometimes when we think about boldness, we think about loud and proud and, ah, and that guy's brash. and Like, no, that's not necessarily boldness. I would define boldness, it means to be confident in who you are in the Holy Spirit. Obey God boldly. All right, I'm gonna step in boldness. I don't have to be loud, I don't have to be, energetic. I don't have to be any of that. I could just be, okay, I know the Holy Spirit's with me. I know that he instructed me, so I'm going to have boldness, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to be confident in who he is. Listen, we can't put any confidence in our flesh. It's going to always lead to destruction, but confidence in the Spirit will lead to life. Philip had boldness because he knew who Jesus was, and he had boldness because he knew the message that he was speaking is true. When you have a conviction about the message of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you, have, you know who Jesus is, and he's, he is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he'll do, that gives you boldness. That gives you confidence. We need to obey God, Predecide to obey him boldly. We can't put boldness in ourselves. But we can put boldness in who God is, that he'll do what he says he'll do. Philip had boldness. He just walked up. He just went. Like, you don't... Think about, like, he went from a dead stop to a sprint because he had boldness. Why did he have boldness? Because he was confident in the message that he was preaching, that God was about to do something. You can have confidence when you step in faith, that God is going to do something. I don't know what that looks like, but he'll do it. There is literally no limit to what the Holy Spirit can do with your obedience. I'm going to tell you a funny story about this very thing. Because it's so dumb of how silly... It is, but God did it. So the Lord changed my message on Thursday. I was going to speak about waiting on the Lord. I already told you that, so you guys are going to have to wait for that. But the Lord told me on Monday to do something. And it was just a passing thought a passing thought. So Monday, Monday night, my wife and I, we, we went and we were doing a uh, fire pit and I was like, I was going to show my kids a magic trick. And so I, I just, there's, there's this thing that I used to do is, it's fun, but like you take a, like you could do a red solo cup. You can, you can use a styrofoam cup. You can use a paper cup. It doesn't really matter the cup. You could just do it and you fill one with water. And then you just leave the other one empty. And when you put the empty one in the fire, it burns up real fast. But when you put the one filled with water in the fire, it won't burn. Like the water has to evaporate first for the cup to burn. It's crazy. You, know, you think about this, you could take a blowtorch to a styrofoam cup filled with water, it won't, it won't put a hole in it. It's like mind blowing, like it's science. But I don't know the term for it. But I was gonna show my kids this trick. And so I, I, filled, I filled one up with water and filled, had an empty one. And, and I said, hey, um, watch this, guys. And as I was just about to show them, just to blow their minds and them to think their dad is awesome. Um, I had this thought go through my head. Teach them about the Holy Spirit. I'm like, really, right now? He said, yeah, right now. Make it fun for them. I'm like, okay. I said, okay, guys. The water in this cup represents the Holy Spirit. And when he's in us, he protects us. But this cup doesn't have anything in it. It, 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 You could put cereal in it. You could fill it up with other stuff. But I said, this cup doesn't have anything in it. I said, watch this. And I put it in the fire. In like two seconds, that red cello cup was gone. And one square inch of the ozone was gone. All you tree huggers out there. Praise the Lord. We're praying for your salvation, too. Um, And then maybe one square centimeter, put your mind at ease. And then I said, but this represents the Holy Spirit. And I I put that in the fire and didn't burn. It just sat there. And they're like, what? I'm like, remember, the one that didn't have anything in it just burned up when, when its environment got hot and bad. But when... When you have Jesus, you could be in a bad environment, but God will protect you. He'll protect you. And and so my daughter goes, well, what type of circumstance? Like, she she has a big vocabulary, literally. But she's like, what what type of thing would that be? And and, um, I think she actually said, what type of circumstances would would that be? I said, remember when Nana died? I said, that's kind of like the fire. It really sucked it was rough, but because we had the Holy Spirit in us and Jesus, even though it got hot around us, even though it hurt us, the Holy Spirit protected us and we're still here, aren't we? We're still loving Jesus. We're still praying. She's like, yeah, yeah, we made it through that. I was like, yeah, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It, the, those are the types of circumstances that are like fire. And so I went and sat back down. And that cup was still there, you know, and and this thought went through my head. More people need to hear that. I'm like, "Ah." I don't like making videos. More, like, more people need to hear that. It was just like, like, okay. So I got up, I went and got another Red Solo cup. And Sky was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I think I'm supposed to make a video about this. I just, this went through my head. More people need to hear that message. So I'm like, okay. And to put in context, when I post stuff on Instagram, like, I don't care whether people like it or not. I couldn't care less. I follow, like, 50 things on Instagram. It's the Bible, um, preachers, guns, trucks, And I could literally get on Instagram and just boost my testosterone and my relationship with Jesus, and it's encouraging. I don't follow it. Like, if you guys followed me, I'm probably not going to follow you back because I like to keep my Instagram account tight, and I want to control what I see. My Facebook, on the other hand, is full of – it's been around forever. And somewhere out there, I have a MySpace. Um, But (laughs) I I just, like – Facebook is different, but Instagram, I I can literally get on there and actually get encouraged because I don't follow a lot of people. I'm not comparing my life to other people and stuff. I follow, like, the Bible app and stuff like that and Ruger and Sig Sauer and Glock. (laughs) But, so, like, to to put in context, my brother-in-law texted me the other day, and he said, I liked your post. I'm like, okay. He said... Because it's been up for five hours and no one liked it, (laughs) that's pretty average. I I I couldn't care less because like I I post stuff like like you go look, what I post on my Instagram, Facebook is uh, Bible stuff, church stuff, kids stuff, and every now and then dad humor. Like, it's, uh, th- th- there's four categories I post. I'd, I couldn't care less. I post it because it makes me laugh or brings me joy or, or it, like, it ministered to me. I, I could not care less. I don't look at all that stuff. I don't look. And so I'm like, okay, I want to make a reel. Some of you guys are really good at making reels. I, on the other hand, have only ever made two, and Amy made those for me. Um, so I don't make reels. And, but this thought went through my head. More people need to hear this. So I made this little video and I posted it on Monday. So I wake up on Thursday and I, you know, hit the notifications thing and just just pages. Just kept scrolling. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so annoying. What is going on? Just to clear them. And I said, Ames, does this happen on you? And she's like, ah, yeah, all the time. And she goes, No, what did you do? Like and I'm like I don't know so I went to the video and I hit this button it said view insights by third like this is Thursday night after the lord told me to change my message I got 38,000 views I was like what and then as of this morning I screenshotted it just be- just to give you a hint but it's reached 163,000 accounts A minute and 22 second video has has 1,084 hours and 50 minutes of playtime. I say all that not to say go like my page or share it. I couldn't care less. I really couldn't. To say when God tells you to do something, the only explanation for that is Holy Spirit going. And I feel, I can't, can't help but think. That God has some ideas in here, in this room, in you, that he wants to breathe on. And it just takes, and it sounds like more people want to hear that. You want to talk, like, more more people need to hear a message about what you fill up on makes a difference. So fill up on Jesus. That's the point of the message. Fill up on Jesus. And he reached 163,000 accounts. Imagine... What God can do is simple obedience. Philip, you could take that down now. Imagine Philip stepped out and just went south, didn't even get to the road. And then God turned around and said, walk beside the carriage. And then God transported him, teleported him, something, somewhere else. All to get one man for for salvation to enter a whole continent for the gospel to enter a continent, all because Jesus went, he breathed on it. And when God tells you to do something, the Holy Spirit has a plan and purpose. Our Our responsibility is to obey quickly. Our responsibility is to obey boldly. It might be outside your comfort zone. I don't like making videos at all. That's not me. I don't even really like social media all that much. But God can use anything when you just step in obedience. Your next step might change the life of your family. Your next step of obedience to the Holy Spirit That's what it means to be led by the Spirit. Because only He can produce results. Only He can do that. It's only Him. Some of us just need to step. Some of us, maybe we need to make a video about our faith in Jesus. See what happens. Maybe... Maybe you just need to call someone and say, man, I've just been praying for you. See what happens. Just step as the Spirit leads. And it's going to be like this. Hey, more people need to hear that. He didn't tell me how to do it. More people need to hear that. So I'm like, well, I don't know how else to do it. I'll just post it on social media. He didn't say, make a real he, like, that would have scared me. I wouldn't have done it. Like, I just, like, every time I made a real, even in that one, I'm like, now how do you add music? How do you put subtitles on? How do you, like, the reason why there's two on Facebook is because I messed up on the first one and deleted it off of Instagram, but it already went on Facebook. So, I don't know. I, I don't know this stuff. I'm like, Ames, can you just do this for me? But the Holy Spirit wants to breathe on you but it takes faith and following him. It takes faith and following him. And it's so simple. It might just be head south. Head south. Make it real. Text that person. It might be, hey, I just want you to pray for five minutes. Father, I just pray right now for your church. What as we move into a time of response to your word, Lord, no doubt, I think that you're going to lay some thoughts on people. You're going to give them, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And Lord, I just pray that you'll give them boldness to respond faithfully, to respond boldly. Lord Jesus, to respond quickly. Lord, I just pray right now that you increase their faith and trust in who you are, that you have a purpose and a plan behind your ask behind what you're telling us to do. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.